Hello and welcome to A Bookish Home. I'm your host, librarian and writer, Laura Zaro-Kopinski. And today my guest is Ellie Swartz, author of the new middle grade novel, Dear Student. The book was recently featured in Parents Magazine, which said tweens won't be able to put down this heartfelt story with a fresh plot, vibrant characters, and even a recipe for whippy pies. A little about the author, Ellie Swartz grew up in Yardley, Pennsylvania. She studied psychology at Boston University and received her law degree from Georgetown University Law Center. Ellie lives in Massachusetts and is happily married with two grown sons, a beagle named Lucy and a pup named Baxter Bean. Finding Perfect Finding Perfect called a clear, moving portrayal of obsessive compulsive disorder by Publishers Weekly was her debut novel. She's also the author of Smart Cookie and Give and Take. Ellie, welcome to A Bookish Home and congratulations on your new book. Thank you so much and thank you for having me. I'm really excited to be on today. I um I really loved this story and reading about Autumn. Could you tell listeners who haven't gotten to pick up Dear Student yet a bit about the book? Sure. Dear Student is about Autumn, who has social anxiety, a pet guinea pig named Spud because he looks like a giant baked potato, and she becomes the secret voice of the middle school advice column, which is aptly called Dear Student. And this is her journey to not just finding her voice, but owning it and using it. It's one of the things I love is that Autumn has a friend named Logan. And Logan is, is in some ways, Autumn believes in the flip image of her. You know, she thinks Autumn is brave and and an activist and advocate, you know, her first uh, first thing was advocating for an earlier bedtime at the age of nine. I mean, she is all the things that Autumn wishes she was. And in this book, I feel like you see um, Autumn, it's an honor, it's a, sort of a tribute to both Autumn, all the Autumns in the world and all the Logans in the world, because I think they're a lot more alike than they realize. I think Autumn is braver than she thinks. And Logan is more vulnerable than she realizes. And so I feel like this book shines a light on both of those characters. Yeah, and you do such a wonderful job of really bringing Autumn's inner world to life. And I really like the way you capture sort of the complexities of their friendship and kind of everything going on with Autumn. And it just made me wonder sort of how you go about really tapping into the voice of your characters and really bringing that time in a child's life onto the page. Well, thank you for that. I, I I mean, I, in all of my books, all of the emotion in them is mine, right? All the stuff that we're proud of, like love and, um, joy and pride and all the things we're all working on, like like anger or envy or frustration or sadness or anxiety. And I think tapping into those very real emotions that are mine allow those characters to have that, hopefully the authenticity of those feelings. I mean, we all have, we all feel all the feels. And whether you're an adult or a kid, 
And that sense of allowing yourself to express those and to move through them and find ways to navigate them, I think is um, something that really connects all of us. And I remember those middle school years, those walking through the halls really well. And I think, um, I'm pretty sure I have like a 12 year old <laughs> broadcast <laughs> from inside me. You just, you know, um, using that time in your life to inform your story and then having the ability and privilege of meeting and talking to so many kids in schools and connecting with them and hearing what is important to them has also been really helpful as I have continued to write. Have you gotten to hear uh, much of their reaction to Autumn yet? I have. And it is such a privileged place to be on the receiving end of readers' trust and honesty. And I find it really powerful that they share their truth with me. And Autumn, as you know, has social anxiety. And after my first presentation, actually the day the book was published, I was in a school uh, presenting. And it was a really fun way to celebrate a book birthday with like 500 fifth, year, fifth graders. And a student came up to me afterwards and said that she had social anxiety just like Autumn. And this student kind of looked around afterwards. It was, you know, after the presentation was over, kind of making sure um, our conversation was more private. And she said that she had social anxiety and that sometimes kids made fun of her. And she was hopeful that after kind of meeting Autumn, maybe kids would get it. And I think that, I mean, as you know, Laura, all of my books have mental health themes woven in. And I truly feel that the more we can talk about these themes, the more kids realize that they're not alone. And the more we can break down those stigmas and stereotypes around mental health. Because mental health, it's just those obstacles are like, you know, you break your arm, you need glasses, you get a flu shot. It's having a mental health challenge should be no different. It's just invisible. So kids need to have a voice to share what's going on. And that is part of Autumn's journey is finding her voice and being able to have the courage to share the things that are in her head and in her heart. I think that's so important. And I think it's what I love most about middle grade novels. Um, just what you said about that ability to help a child feel like they're not alone in whatever they might be going through. And, you know, that kind of makes me wonder, I'm not sure if mental health struggles are making their way onto this list, but, you know, we're definitely in a time where, so many people are trying to take books out of the hands of kids that books that might help them not feel alone or um, might make a difference for them. And I just was curious on your thoughts kind of about um, just that current climate that authors of children's books are facing. It's incredibly disappointing and disheartening and maddening. Every child deserves to be seen and respected every child and every child's experience. 
and by removing experiences from the page, from books, from the shelf, from kids' access to them, you are telling them that the experiences that they may share with these characters are not worthy of being talked about. And they are things that we should not speak of. And that is disheartening to me. All I really, I feel very strongly that all kids should feel connected and valued and seen. And books are one way, I feel an important way that that kind of connection can be made. And I, um, I hope that all those, myself included, who are fighting to keep books on the library and school shelves, um, I hope we, uh, I hope that fight ends with those books being put back on the shelf. I couldn't agree more. I just think it's so important. Um, is is that sort of mission around your writing um, what drew you to middle grade? Or I'm just kind of curious what your writing journey was like. It's interesting. I was um, recently doing an interview with Lori Barber from Anderson's Books in um, in Naperville, Illinois. And she asked me if I was on a mission uh, to promote you know, positivity with mental health um, for kids. And I had never really thought about it as a mission before, but I, this theme, this um, question keeps coming up for me and I guess it is a mission. It's something that I feel incredibly, I feel drawn to and it's important to me. There's mental health challenges in my life. I have anxiety, I have family members, I friends, um, people in my world, have challenge, you know, there are challenges all around us, and I feel that they need to be talked about so people can get help. I, I, I think the as I shared, the more we talk about it, the more normalized it becomes, and you just um, people can find what I call their fearless Fred in Dear Student, the part of each of us that um, fear can't boss around. And you find that fearless friend, you find your voice, and then you can get help um, if you need it. I, I think one of the reasons I'm drawn to this age group, the honesty and the willingness to be vulnerable is so powerful in, this middle grade, in those middle grade years. And their sense of discovery and the opportunity that they are um, is still the exploration of themselves and where they fit and how they fit. I find it's a really unique and kind of precious time. Do you, um, or I guess, had you started when you were writing, I guess with your first book, did you kind of know right away where the story was going to, take you? Did you know um, that there were going to be these mental health angles or did you um, just kind of want to start writing and we're just wondering where it was going to lead? 
great question. Uh, first, I should confess that Finding Perfect was my first book that was published, Laura, but it was actually the fifth book I wrote. <laughs> my journey to yes was long and winding and took about 15 years. And actually, um, a small secret is that the very first book that I wrote that I started in 2001 is actually coming out next year. It's called Hidden Truths. It's coming out with Delacorte Press, with Random House, and um, it'll be out in 2023. So it just took oh, me wow. two years to get it right. <laughs> <laughs> um, so did I start with the mission of mental health? No, it, came, it was very organic. And I think maybe that's where when authenticity shines the most is when your mission, as we are calling it at the moment, is, is organic, right? It comes from things that matter to you and just kind of bleeds onto the page without, with, um, without intention. And so that is, I mean, that's how the mental health um, aspects of my stories kind of came about. I, it started with a character in Finding Perfect. It was a character, Molly, who had undiagnosed OCD. Um, there were people I knew who had OCD, and I, the way they saw themselves and the way the world saw them was very different, and I really wanted those people that I cared for to see themselves the way the world saw them, which was imperfect and beautiful. And, um, and then my characters kept showing up with mental health challenges. <laughs> so um, I honored them and decided to dive into their stories. I love that. And, you know, that's one of the reasons I, I really enjoy hearing about authors writing journeys, because I, I can't count the number of authors I've talked to who it has taken the writing of multiple books that are, you know, maybe in a drawer to get to the one that gets published, which I think is so encouraging um, to us aspiring writers. And it's funny you said that your that an earlier book that hadn't gotten published before is is going to be published. I was just interviewing this morning Amy Tector, who's an adult author. She has a new book called The Honeybee Emeralds, and she wrote a book oh, it might have even been 10 years ago, that it had won an award but never got published. And now her debut novel has done really well. And now that one's going to be published. So it's just kind of, it's a very winding journey, I think, oftentimes. And again, I think it's kind of speaks to the power of people not feeling like they're alone, like maybe don't give up because you hear about somebody else's um, winding journey. I think that's really valuable. Well, you know, as you are um, doing your writing these days, I'm kind of curious what your writing routine is like. And I'm sure you're also juggling, um, you know, school visits and promotion and, and just wearing a lot of different hats. So kind of take us a little bit into what your author life is like these days. Crazy. <laughs> Wonderful. All of those things. I mean, it is, you're right. It's a, I'm wearing a lot of hats, but what a gift to be wearing all these different hats, right? I love school visits. I spend a lot of time in schools. I was um, recently wrapped up an author in residence 
I was an author in residence to a school in New Jersey. So I spent the year with the students doing workshops, um, mostly once a month for like, a, you know, on writing and then also on bravery and empowerment. And then it culminated at the end of the year with me visiting the school. So, and I do a lot of school visits just virtually and all over the country. And it, it is a privilege to hang out and spend time with readers. I was recently in a school where a student taught me all these dance moves. <laughs> I'm ready. I'm, re I'm ready for my big dance debut. Um, as far as my writing life, I'm in the middle of revision right now for Hidden Truths. And when I'm revising a book, I like to take it in one big gulp. I, like, I could sit for six hours, eight hours, and just dive in because I, in order to keep those um, strands and the movement and the um, discovery and development of my character, how they change and grow, I feel like I need to keep it all in my head in one, in one sitting. So when I revise, I'm really kind of doing the deep dive. And revision is kind of where I think the magic happens in a book anyway. But the, when I'm, I'm also uh, in the process of revising a picture book and oh. coming up with, um, I have some ideas for other middle grades. And so when I'm developing those ideas, I do it in shorter chunks. Um, I always tell students, I start my day walking my dogs. I need brain space. I need I need to get all the shoulds and to do's and worries out of my head so that the creativity can anchor and really just um, grow. Like it needs space. It needs space. I need space in my brain for it to be creative. And so I start my day walking my dogs and, um, and then I try to sit down and write. But where I write and even the times that I write are less precious as I've continued, you know, as I've been writing more, because sometimes you, you're at a doctor's office and you're sitting there waiting for an hour and you take that hour. Like I take the time wherever I, I can get it. So if it's in a waiting room in a doctor's office, so be it. If I'm on an airplane, that works too. So um, I think my writing routine is more I write when I can and obviously with intention, but I don't, um, the space doesn't have to be precious. It can be wherever I land. That makes a lot of sense. I love that model you mentioned about the, writer in, in residence, I could just imagine that being so helpful to students to sort of kind of develop that relationship with you as kind of a writing mentor. And then for that school visit to come at the end, I'm just curious if anything stands out um, from that whole experience. Yes, it was incredibly special and powerful. And, um, I think we all felt it, the, the teachers, principal, students, myself, um, when we met, it was really wonderful because we had a, um, a parent night, like a community night, and then the next day I was in the school. So I got to meet a lot of the families of the students that I had been working with all year long. And that was very special. And 
Then this incredibly unique thing happened, Laura, which I will share. Um, I got permission to share online. A student wrote a song for me and performed it. That was a very uh, heartfelt moment. And it was just the whole experience was wonderful. Everyone had read a number of my books, but as a school, they read Finding Perfect. And as a school, they read Dear Student. And I worked with them on finding ideas and revision and creating authentic voice. We talked about bravery. We talked about fearlessness. We talked about empowerment as they leave their school next year and begin middle school. And it was wonderful creating um, this school, this, these relationships with these students throughout the school year. It was incredibly meaningful to me. Oh, that sounds magical and like such a great model for schools to have. And just makes me think again how if we've maybe focused more on how powerful it can be for students and families and teachers to have conversations around um, books with you know thought-provoking or difficult topics instead of just trying to snatch them from kids' hands. I just it just makes me so infuriated. There's just so much value in in having a conversation about 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 books and what kids might be going through. And but speaking of uh, powerful reads, I always love to ask authors what they've been reading lately. Are there books you'd want to recommend to um, listeners? Yeah, honestly, I think for me, one of the things um, I recommend authors. <laughs> I think because there are so many books. These authors, and many more, um, but these are some that come to mind. I'll read anything that they write because they're such powerful storytellers. And I I think with that in mind, truthfully, one of the things that's so exciting is I think there are so many incredible, incredibly talented kid-lit authors. And whether they're writing, you know, graphic novels or realistic fiction or fantasy or picture books, I feel like there's so, so many um, incredible storytellers out there. So some of the, the authors that I've been reading their work lately, it, Tay Keller, Padma Venkantraman, Erin Entrada Kelly, Barbara D, Linda Mullally Hunt, um, Francisco Stork, uh, Kareem Young Glazer, Lisa Yee, uh, Barbara O'Connor, Leslie Connor, uh, Sarah Aronson, Victoria J. Coe, Jarrett Lerner, John Shu. Those are some of my. Those are some of the authors that um, that come to mind that I've been reading their work lately, and would highly recommend basically anything that they that they have written. And Laura, just to circle back a moment. I really wanted to say, and I couldn't agree more, that like you had shared, books really are a bridge to understanding ourselves and understanding others. And I think in Dear Student, one of the concepts that I, that has been powerful is the notion that Bravery is not just for the popular, the confident, and the loudest in the room. 
that we are all brave, whether we are feeling vulnerable, whether we are feeling anxious, whether we are feeling uh, disconnected, that we all have that fearless spread in us and that we all are going to get to the part where we feel okay. And so I think that books matter and I think they're incredibly powerful and really allow kids to know that they're not alone. I think that's so well put. Um, and I'll agree the list of authors you mentioned, you know, anyone listening who is looking for um, a gift of a book for um, a tween in their um, life or a child in their life, parents looking for books for, um, you know, maybe a, a book club amongst kids and parents, librarians and teachers looking for read alouds. I think that list um, you shared is such a great jumping off point. And I'll um, definitely put that in the show notes as well. So many um, wonderful authors on there. Um, well, you know, just lastly, I'm curious if you have any thoughts on um, what you think is important when it comes to um, raising readers and I guess also writers. Sure. I think, I, I guess this would go for both raising readers and writers. I think it's incredibly important, for instance, when you're writing to really write what matters to you what tugs at your heart, the book you wish you had on the shelf, the story you wish someone was reading to you. Because that's really where that authentic piece comes in. And for readers, it's really the same. Read what matters to you. Like take out the book, it doesn't matter if it's a picture book, a realistic fiction, fantasy, graphic novel. It doesn't matter if your friend likes it or doesn't. Read the book that touches your heart. I mean, that's how we create readers and writers is giving them the opportunity to choose and write and read what matters most to them. I think that's so important. And I'll add to that to um, give the kids in your life the space to do that. And, you know, I think sometimes parents might have in their head what they want their child to be reading and kind of just supporting and getting excited about whatever it is they are drawn to, um, any genre, any, um, any kind of book. So um, I think that's really important as well. Well, Ellie, I so enjoyed um, getting to speak with you and um, I really enjoyed Dear Student. I think that... Um, Parents should pick it up for the kids in their lives. I definitely, um, if they haven't already, teachers and librarians, um, I hope they order it for um, their bookshelves. And um, I'm really looking forward to continuing um, to read more of your books. Thank you so much, Laura. And I do want to share that on my site, there is a tab for educators that has curriculum guides for all of my books that I have worked on and created with other teachers. And so if they're using my books for read aloud or it's for um, different parts of their curriculum, I, want, I just wanted to share that there are activities, discussion guides, 
that they can just download right from my website along with um, SEL resources and book lists. Oh, that's so helpful. Um, and I would imagine too, if um, schools are interested in trying to book you for a school visit that they can contact you um, via your website. Is that information on there too? It is. They can reach out to to me through the contact page on my site. Um, also, uh, there is a link for Lisa Nadell, who also Han is a, my booking agent and handles a lot of my school visits as well. So either Lisa or myself, they can reach out. And I love it. I love talking to kids. I love being in the school. I mean, it really is such a privilege and pleasure to, to be in a space to share that time with your readers, it feels really special because the experience that a reader brings to the story you wrote is really what brings that story to life. Oh, yes, I'm sure there's um, some magical school experiences happening. Well, Ellie, thank you again and best of luck with, with all of your writing. Thank you so much, Laura. I so appreciated um, you having me on. Wishing you a very wonderful day, and thank you. For links to all of the books mentioned on this week's episode, you can visit abookishhome.com, and there you'll also find a link to our new online bookshop. Um, a Bookish Home has teamed up with the new organization bookshop.org, which supports independent bookstores, and if you'd like, you can browse books by authors who have been guests on A Bookish Home. I'm also sharing there all of the books mentioned on the podcast, books I've been reading lately, and other recommendations. It's a really wonderful site to browse and look through books. And if you make a purchase, it supports A Bookish Home and independent bookstores. So it's a win-win. So if you want to check that out directly, it's bookshop.org slash shop slash A Bookish Home. And you'll also find that at abookishhome.com. If you are enjoying the show, I hope you take a minute to subscribe and also rate and review in iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. And if you enjoyed this episode, I would encourage you to share it on social media to help other people find the show and this episode. Thanks for listening, everyone, and happy reading.